welcome everyone to the Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for downloading and listening today. We are coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is a one-stop locally owned commercial and residential cleaning company that focuses on providing the highest level of cleaning services and supplies to their clients. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. If you follow me there, you get an entry form into the WrestleMania giveaway. We'll get more into that at the end of the show. You can also email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. Uh, coming up later on on the show, we have Scotty Mack, a longtime Canadian professional wrestler. We get into a couple of things with him. Um, so that is coming up at the end of the show. But it has been a wild few days in the National Football League. Um, we start with the news of the day as Deshaun Watson is traded from the Houston Texans to the Cleveland Browns. He gets $230 million in guaranteed money. This is a wild trade. First of all, the trade is uh, three first-round picks, a third-round pick, and I believe a fifth-round pick. As we're recording this, some of the details still getting ironed out, but that seems to be what it is. And this is a difficult one to analyze, obviously, right? Like, there's a lot that goes into it. From just a pure football standpoint, it's one hand. But on the other hand, if... It, it feels callous to just look at this as a just a football standpoint, as someone who the legal case uh, against the Sean Watson was thrown out last week, I believe, or earlier this week. No, it was a week ago. Um, but there are still 22 civil cases uh, against Deshaun Watson for varying degrees of sexual misconducts. And that seems like something that if I were an NFL team, I would want to stay away from. Let alone, uh, I would not want to give up five draft picks and then $230 million guaranteed of my own hard-earned money to bring this guy into the facility. And so there is going to be, like, it, it's just, it's tough to separate it. And sometimes when you, we look at football and it's like, okay, well, just X's and O's on the field. What's it like? And it's like, I can't, I can't do that anymore. I just can't. Um, Maybe that's to my detriment, I guess, but like it's 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 tough when it's Tyreek Hill and it's like, well, you know what he has been uh, accused of and it's it, it just it gets so difficult to analyze these things and to say and because you feel like on the one hand, last time we saw Deshaun Watson, very talented football player, but even saying anything complimentary about this guy feels like it is glossing over a, a giant part of his background. And again, if if you want to convince yourself that uh, it just so, ha I think Pomani Jones said, if you want to try to hit on the 22-person parlay that they're all lying, then by all means go for it. But that's just, I I don't know. It's, it's really frustrating when you have like this, th one thing will get punished. And again, it's the, the conversation we've talked about a lot where one side is, oh, this guy's bad in the room. You don't want this guy in your... Pfft bad chemistry guy because he, I don't know, wants the football more or something like that. But then it's the Sean Watson's like, yeah, but look at all the things he did for his community. I mean, ignore the 22 people, human beings whose lives he's greatly affected uh, in a negative way. Look, look what he has done. This guy is a leader of man. It's just, some of this stuff just drives you fucking crazy, man. And it just sucks how talent can... Talent in certain field, I guess, can just, you can gloss over so much. But that's, it's happened in football forever. Uh, Deshaun Watson is not the first. He certainly won't be the the, the last of it. Uh, presumably, Cleveland's getting a good quarterback. You know, like that's, we haven't seen this guy play in a year. He's going to get suspended for at least half of this season, I would imagine. And th this is what you do when you are a, a desperate team trying to stay relevant, that this is the thing that you do. I've talked before about loser team doing loser team things, that this is desperate team doing desperate team things. And it, it's just, so I'm, I'm happy. My, I mean, my team has brought in some guys before who um, certainly haven't done things that would make you feel super proud uh, to, to be a Raider fan. And the unfortunate thing is basically every team has. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go over each team and say, oh, well, actually these guys didn't because who knows, right? But it's, yeah, from a football standpoint, the, the Cleveland Browns got better today and maybe as you can tell, like I've, I, I, the, the news broke, um, 
about an hour ago and I've had a tough time like kind of putting everything into because it was just like it was that thing that you could mentally just kind of kick down the road you know like and that's a, a very privileged standpoint that i have from it is that i can just not think about it for a while because it's that's the, the privilege i have um not being this tight to to this situation or this type of a situation but whether you are someone who has experienced something um against you that sean watson is accused of being doing uh, uh having been accused of doing and that triggers some very bad memories for you. And, and if you're a Cleveland Browns fan and that's happened to you, I can't imagine the emotions that are, are going through, um, that, that you're going through today. Um, but yeah, from, from my standpoint, it was just like, okay, well maybe, maybe it's not, and I don't have to really think about it, but now it's, it's here. It's staring us in the face. And the thing is too, it wasn't just, well, one team's taking a chance on them. It, people were falling over themselves. For the, the Atlanta Falcons were looking to get rid of a dude who's been their quarterback since 2008, I think, um, and just boot him way gone um, to bring this guy in. You know, the like the Carolina Panthers, New Orleans Saints, they're all falling over themselves trying to get this guy into the building. It's not just one team that's just like, oh, well, we'll take a chance on him. And I know, I know this is all over the place, and I apologize for that. But the... The tricky thing is, I don't even want to say tricky, because again, that seems like it's just washing it away. But like I, I do believe in in second chances, but it just it doesn't like I I've said before in some of these, it doesn't feel like his first chance is gone yet. You know? Um and we, we have no there's been no accountability taken. There's been no sign of remorse. There's been no nothing. You know, it's just, well, he sat out for a year. So, I mean, he probably feels bad about it. Let's get back out there, Deshaun. Yeah, like I, like I said, I'm all over the place on this one. And I apologize for it. It's just, it's frustrating when these types of things keep happening in the NFL. Um, the the other components of this, Baker Mayfield, I said before, my, my, my super hot take at the start of the quarterback season that the Cleveland Browns should look at trading Baker Mayfield, that uh, doesn't look so hot takey now, as Baker Mayfield is for certain getting traded. And by the time you heard this, it's probably already been traded. And I'm just noticing now my time limit is done on my Twitter. So as I'm saying these words, he might have already, um, might already have been traded. As, let me just see, Carlos Dunlop released... The Raider trade is official. That seems like it was 18 years ago now. Uh, so, there. No. Uh, Baker Mayfield hasn't been traded yet. I don't know how much he really impacts winning, but I think Cleveland can get a decent amount for him. But you can see now how wild some of these teams get when there isn't a, oh, well, let's just trade up in the draft and get this guy. Like, there, there isn't a whole lot in the draft. And I, I think this kind of shows what type of a draft we are dealing with when you see... Um, all these teams being like, okay, well, let's try to get our quarterback situation in place and try to get this figured out. Um, I, I think that is, I, I, I think a sign that maybe not a lot of people have a whole lot of faith in this quarterbacking class. The, the dominoes to fall from this, uh, again, I would imagine Baker Mayfield gets traded if the Browns don't mind trading him in the AFC. Um, he could probably go to the Colts and be fine there. It would be hilarious if he ended up as a stealer. I think that would create a whole lot of emotions, different than the emotions I experienced before, but that would create a whole lot of emotions. Carolina, I don't know how much of a, a upgrade with, with Sam Darnold that actually is. The Saints, it sounds like they're going with, with Jameis Winston, so now all of a sudden, it's uh, another one of those musical chairs, and maybe they waited a touch too long to pull the trigger on some kind of a, a Baker Mayfield trade. I, I still think they'll get something for him. But I don't know if there's going to be a massive bidding war for the, the services of Baker Mayfield. But he, th this is the most important year of his career. Um, I think this is pretty easy to say that he needs to prove it this year um, because he's had one good season and one playoff game against a team that basically handed them the game because they came out and played like doo-doo. So big season coming up for Baker Mayfield. Um, the, the other big deal from the last... 24, 48 hours, is the Vegas Raiders have acquired Devontae Adams from the Green Bay Packers for a first and a second. And you see some of the trades that have been happening and some of the draft capital that's been throwing around, and it only takes a first and a second to get the second best receiver in the NFL to come to the Vegas Raiders. Whoo! Whoo! Leverage is a thing. Um, 
I, I this is the dynamic receiver the Raiders have wanted since Jerry Rice. You know, I, I get Randy Moss played for them. Um, they, they wanted a dynamic receiver. They did not get a dynamic receiver with Randy Moss. And there's talks about like whether that was Kerry Collins' fault, whether that was Randy Moss' fault. Whatever the case, they haven't got a guy this good to play that good with the Raiders in a long time. And now you have... Again, it's this division that keeps loading up. And even today, um, it's funny the timing of all of this. Talk about uh, a few more of these things on the Fresh Take Network on the Sports Rundown that's going to come out on Saturday. Um, talk about Kansas City kind of needing to counterpunch. They do today with Juju Smith-Schuster going to Kansas City, which is just a perfect fit, I think. I like that move a lot for them. But for the, the Raiders now, how this offense stacks up, you have Derek Carr, who can be good. You have Devontae Adams, who is good. You now have Hunter Renfro in a spot where he doesn't have to be the main focus, and he's going to get, I, I think... I think he's going to benefit from this. I think Darren Waller, who was just smothered all of last year, I think he's going to benefit from this. You have some guys in the, the running game, whether it be Jacobs, whether it be Bolden, whether it be Kenyon Drake, who I, I think can benefit from this as well. This is a massive boost for the Raiders. They, they needed this type of a playmaker, and they got it. Now, you need guys who can cover the other team's playmakers, and you also need an offensive line that can protect your quarterback to give you time to find those playmakers. That needs to be the focus now of the Raiders. Obviously not going to be with a first or second round pick this year, but that they are going to have to address that offensive line. But this AFC West is just stupid good. I would still... I think I would still go Kansas City as the top team in this division right now, just because it's tough to go against Mahomes and Andy Reid. And now you have the aforementioned, not awesome, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Juju Smith-Schuster all on that team holy crap, that team is crazy good. Um, so there's all of that that's going on. And then you look at the the Chargers. I like this Chargers team a lot. I think the addition of Khalil Mack is really, really good. I think they're going to probably look run stopper. Um, someone in the middle of the, whether it be defensive line or linebacking position at the draft. And I think they're going to be really, really good. Denver, obviously, upgrading with Russell Wilson. And then you have the Raiders. Like all four of these teams could make the postseason. And now you look at the, the, rest, of the, uh, the rest of the conference, it's going to be tough to say, well, one of Baltimore and Cleveland isn't going to make the playoffs depending on the situation regarding a suspension for Deshaun Watson. Um, in the East, I don't think... You wouldn't have to do a lot of convincing to, only, to tell me only one team is coming out of the playoff, uh, coming out of the East in the playoffs. I, I'm not falling for the Dolphins thing again. That's for darn certain. Uh, and then in the South, we'll see what the Colts do at quarterback. The Titans are probably going to be back. So the, this... The, the AFC West could be the one that rules them all in terms of getting playoff teams in. It, it is a crazy time. Quickly, on the, the hockey trade note, uh, trade deadline is Monday. I'm going to be on Twitch all damn day, running um, running some games, running over all the trades. You guys will be able to chat in there, chat amongst yourselves as well. It's going to be a lot of fun, uh, a real interactive experience, as they like to say. So come chat and hang out with us there. Um... But the Calgary Flames making a move, acquiring Kyle Youngkrok from Seattle for a couple of draft picks. The, the Flames are in it, and I, I like this trade a lot. You look at the, the lines uh, that we can all thank Steinberg for, and um, down the middle, you go Lindholm, Yarncroc, Backlund, Monaghan. You feel very good about that, don't you? And Yarncroc on a line with Mandrapani and Toffoli. Damn, that like this, this is a very good hockey team. We keep saying it. I keep saying like Colorado's better, but th this is a Flames team that keeps loading up and keeps loading up and keeps loading up. Um, and now with, with Vegas, like just completely falling off the map with all the injury issues they have, the, the Flames road to at least the Western Conference Championship, they have to feel pretty good about it. But we get into more hockey talk coming up on Monday. Uh, time for a break. When we come back, my conversation with Canadian wrestling veteran, Scotty Mack. music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Very pleased to be joined by a veteran of the, the sport of professional wrestling. He is Scotty Mack. Scotty, thank you for doing this today. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm, I'm doing really well. 
Uh, thank you for doing this. I, I really appreciate it. Um, you are someone who has traveled uh, across this country doing the, the pro wrestling thing for uh, a bit now. And the, the most recent stop is Can-Am Wrestling in Calgary. I, I guess my first question is, is what drew you to Can-Am Wrestling? And uh, I guess what about it has you uh, kind of hang around here for a bit? Uh, that's an excellent question because uh, that's where my journey started. I, I was obsessed with professional wrestling ever since I can remember. So I guess uh, WrestleMania two would have been the first VHS uh, cassette that was rented for me by uh, a family member. And uh, the main event was Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy inside of that big blue steel cage, the, you know, the bars. Yeah. And, uh, and so it was, it was an obsession since then. And um, it's, it was just, I always knew that's what I wanted to do. It was, a, it was the first time I ever um, said no to my mom was when I was 15. And she said, what are you going to do after high school? I said, I'm going to be a wrestler. And she said, yeah, but come on, like, what, you, you should go, you know, you should go to whatever. And I'm like, no, mom, like, that's, I've told you for years, I'm going to be a wrestler. And it wasn't until I started doing it and getting good at it that, people I guess took it a little bit more seriously uh but I, I grew up here in BC I my best friend got a job in radio in Alberta and I wasn't I hadn't started training yet or anything and I knew when I got into wrestling it was like gonna be full speed ahead so I was like well let's go let's go up to Peace River Alberta for a while met a girl moved to Edmonton and uh Can-Am Wrestling was at the Cook County Saloon and I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go and, and see what they say, see if they'll train me. And, uh, there was the locker room was, it, there was, uh, Ross and Keith Hart were there, the Cuban assassin, um, uh, the black dragon, uh, who became a very, very close friend of mine, Brett Como, uh, was actually the most impressive. And the cool thing was he ended up being, uh, the guy that I beat for my first, uh, ECCW title uh, inside of a cage in Surrey so like the guy that stood out to me on that first show that I went to that I that I ended up training with them ended up being uh, a pretty big part of of uh, like some of my favorite matches and we because we worked together in Portland and and the Okanagan and so um, yeah it, it, my time with Can-Am was pretty brief then it was uh, run by uh Steve Gillespie and Steve Wild, and obviously Steve Wild's still around. And Otto was uh, Vinny Fever, but I could tell like he was, you know, I think he was pretty green at the time, so uh, he didn't have a lot of experience, um, which also made it so he was the nicest out of all of them. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of how I mean. I'm a pretty nice guy, but uh, sometimes the the wrestling vets, at least back then. Like I remember, I I I showed this guy. What was his name? I think his name was Katana. Uh, soldier dude had kind of a martial arts gimmick, and I was all proud of my chest uh, uh, being all marked up from from chops. And I was like, you know, showing it off like a badge of honor. And he's like, "That's nothing. My chest was bleeding." And uh, so you know, it's like stuff like that where I'm just you trying to get in there with the guys, and 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 some of them can make it pretty difficult. But uh, but Otto was always super cool to me. And so uh, I ended up moving back to BC. I uh, went to see the local promotions here that I watched a few times as a teenager here, and I saw uh, an event uh, in Surrey by ECCW. Uh, and there was a guy that stood out to me uh, named Rockford. He had these really cool yellow and black uh, motocross pants. And he was wrestling uh, Tony Kazina uh, for the NWA Pacific Northwest Junior Heavyweight title, which coincidentally ended up being the first championship I ever won. But Dr. Luther would um, proceed to make fun of me that night. Uh, it was in, I won it in Vancouver, Washington in, in a, my first round was against Christopher Daniels and uh, they had a heel come out. So it ended up being some sort of double count out or something. And then it was disco 
Fury and Tony Kazina in the finals for the for this title because at the time ECCW was a part of the National Wrestling Alliance. So we had the NWA Pacific Northwest Junior Heavyweight title, the NWA Canadian Junior Heavyweight title, the NWA Canadian Heavyweight title, which I have on my um, my armoire over there. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so being, being a, a, a part of the NWA, uh, we had some, some NWA belts, which added a bit of prestige to them. And they, they, I don't know, I don't know how this makes sense to this day. I don't know. I think they, they, they could have got a bit more creative with the booking, but it's like, it was, it was going to be Disco and Tony, uh, in the finals and, and Dave, Dave Republic, he's great. He's always good to me, but they bring me out and like, we think Scotty Mac deserves back in the tournament. And meanwhile, I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe not at the time. I was probably just thinking about, I get to be in the finals of this tournament. Right. But when I look back, it's like, well, why wasn't Christopher Daniels added to the match too? <laughs> like he gets, you know, he got screwed too. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up winning. Uh, I ended up winning that. And then when we went out to, to eat afterward and Dr. Luther uh, referred to it as a plaque on a weight belt, which is really what it res- resembled. I think we've all seen our share of, of uh, independent wrestling championships that <laughs> don't look much different than the WWE replica ones, not the nice ones, but the ones you'd find at Walmart or Toys R Us. Yeah, yeah, uh, one, of, one, of, one maybe, of these ones up here. There you go, there, <laughs> but not, 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 not the one over your left shoulder. No, no, That's no, a no. nice one, that's yeah. a nice one, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I bought I bought the uh, the WCW television title a replica title from the Nitro Grill in Las Vegas. Wow. Uh, it was yeah right before right before I got into wrestling. Uh, big fan of that championship. Uh, so I've I've got I've got all all the ECCW titles in my possession, and then I got my you know being being a well, look at me I'm in an NWO shirt. I'm obviously a big mark. <laughs> and I love the uh, I love being the uh, the WCW television title. Um, so, anyways, I I ended up uh, I, I was like Rockford, super cool, and and uh, I go to the wrestling school the next day, and Jim the Anvil Neidhart was doing a a, a special seminar because he was in the main at night, and uh, and I walk upstairs, and Rockford, the guy that that I thought was super cool, was sitting there. And Juggernaut was there and Juggernaut was kind of helping star with things. He was, he was uh, living in the school at the time. And so I discussed things with him and they immediately called me Rockford Sito, which means many Rockford, I guess in Japan. And because I look kind of like him and I ended up getting booked with him very quickly as his little brother. So I got to wear the cool motocross pants as well, except mine were silver and black. But everybody was jealous. I remember, bef- it was like before, um, before like the internet was the way it is now. Uh, it was message boards, and on an ECCW message board, uh, I didn't admit it at the time, but I was kind of freaked out because Moondog Manson was seemed like he was legitimately pissed off at me that I had these cool <laughs> motocross pants and that I wasn't deserving of them yet. Because everyone thought these these pants were really cool, and they were. Yeah. And coincidentally, and I've told this story before, but coincidentally, in the coming months, it, this is when ECW ended, and so uh, before WWE and WCW started picking up the the ECW guys they wanted, they were doing some indie shots. So, like my first few shows, I was getting I, I took. Uh, it was Rockford and then Chance Beckett was my trainer. Chance Beckett trained in the dungeon is legit. One of the best to ever lace up the boots. So naturally talented, such a big reason why I was, or am as good as I am. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to brag, but I, I've got, I've had some good matches, mm-hmm. uh, but, but, that, but that's my way of trying to say, uh, I give Chance Beckett a lot of credit for, for all my good matches especially as as early as they were um and so beckett and rockford were heels and i was the little brother 
that they would mouth off the the baby face, and which usually was the the the, the name they were bringing in because they they would bring in about a name every month or two, and so it was like my second show. And they're throwing me to Steve Carino, and I'm taking Steve Carino's finish. And then uh, who else was there? And then it was Tommy Dreamer. Tom, we had Tommy Dreamer out here, and and then and then Dreamer was on a show with us in Everett, Washington. I got to wrestle Christopher Daniels again then. And I'll tell you, man, I was nowhere near good enough to be going over Christopher Daniels and they put me over Christopher Daniels and the wow. dude carried me. Yeah. And the dude carried me through the whole thing. Like I, he didn't, he, he could have replaced me with a broomstick. The match probably would have been just as good because that's how good Daniels is. Um, but he made me look real good. And, uh, but in the locker room, Tommy dreamers, like, I like your pants. Like, yeah. They're pretty cool. Eh? Like, oh, where'd you get them? fleshgear.com i could i can show you so i write it down for him and then i don't know if it was like maybe a month or two later uh ecw some of the ecw guys show up on raw tommy dreamer walks out in the black version of my flesh gear pants <laughs> on raw and my phone starts going off and everyone's like tommy dreamer stole your pants tommy dreamer stole your pants and uh and, and what what sucked about that i guess it was by that point it was 2001 i think because i had just got an app an opportunity so it started with canam just training with canam in alberta moving back to bc training with eccw as well uh and then uh wrestling with eccw um and then uh so when when yeah so everyone's everyone's messaging me about dreamers stealing my pants and then and then stevie richards shows up and he must have said to tommy dreamer i like your pants where'd you get them because then fuck stevie richards walks out in a pair of navy blue and black flesh gear pants and the the problem with all of this is that i had just done mat rats in calgary in 2001 and I, I don't know how much you know about that but it was it really was ahead of its time because obviously you got you know we saw what happened when wcw gave the 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 cruiserweights a chance to shine i mean even b- before that e- even the way ecw had those uh ray mysterio dean malenko eddie guerrero matches on their shows which obviously got their got likely got them their opportunity in wcw i would think and uh, I was I was a big fan. I mean, there, there was really not much. I mean, still to this day, it's it's tough to beat a Eddie Guerrero Dean Malenko match. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, where was I going with uh, where was I going with that? Uh, Matt Ratz. Oh, Matt Ratz. So yeah, yeah. So 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 obviously, like, and then of course, two hundred five live. You know, the cruise weights and all that, and the high flying and younger wrestlers. And that was uh, an, an idea they had early on. Matt Rats was supposed to be teenage wrestlers. I was like 21 or something, but I think we said I was 19 because I was the only one that was, that was, I think, over 20. But I looked pretty young. And um, uh, Harry Smith was, was there. He was 15, uh, like, Dave, like Dave Wood Jr. Um, Rene Dupree was there. He was 18. Oh, wow. Somehow at 18 years old, he looked like Superman. Like yeah. the dude was just enormous and... It was really cool too. Um, that guy uh, Hannibal Devin Nicholson, he was there. Natty was Nat, uh, Natalia was doing ring announcing. Tyson Kidd was uh, was there. TJ Wilson, mm-hmm. um, he, he obviously went by at the time. Uh, Teddy Hart, and and then they ended up bringing in Joey Styles, Bob Ryder, uh, Cyrus, uh, and Eric Bischoff and Jason Hervey were supposed to be getting involved. Oh, wow. And yeah, so I'm, I'm like a year and a half in thinking, holy shit, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a, a TV star already, you know? And, um, and so that's what made the stealing the pants thing more difficult because the T the Matt rats TV show would have aired after dreamer and Stevie were already on raw with the pants. So instead of it 
looking like they stole my pants. It would look like I took their pants. <laughs> but uh, like like all things in wrestling, until everything's finalized, until you got a plane ticket into your hand, until you got a contract in your hand, nothing's for sure. And we filmed this pilot at the Palace in Calgary, and uh, uh, it, it was a it was a great match. It was myself and a guy named Dave the Rape Swift against uh, Apocalypse, who became Rick Victor with the Ascension. Oh, and okay. uh, yeah, and then his partner Edward G. O'Ryan, and it was a it was a good little tag match. And they 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 even the uh, the top above the top rope they had what they called pizza plates which looked like about the size of a large pizza. And it was like a platform. So you got the top rope, but then like almost like another top rope a bit higher, obviously to jump off of, but also easier to do when both men are up on the top. So Matt Rats really was uh, ahead of its time. Uh, it, but unfortunately problems in the office and, and whatever, I don't necessarily know all the specific details, but, but nothing really came from it. But, Every once in a while, uh, Harry and, and TJ and uh, my buddy Dynamite Dan and uh, we'll we'll put up our old Matt Rats uh, 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 stats and it's got a picture of me. I look like I should be in a boy band or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that was that was the first the first bit. And then it's it's funny. Tw- twenty twenty two years later, I'm back at Can Am. Mm-hmm. And now, obviously, um, with all that experience, now you're you're one of the the vets in the locker room. Um, yes, compared to at the time there, where you're still kind of learning and stuff like that. Now, now that you do have kind of that veteran role in this locker room, um, are you someone who like you'll go to a younger wrestler like, hey, maybe try X, Y, and Z, or do you wait for them to come to you? I get well. What's kind of the, the leadership style of Scotty Matt? That that is that is it. Um that that i i do like to do that as much as i can and and that's one of the things that i really enjoy about can am wrestling is the the attitudes of of the wrestlers from young to to old like it's so cool for me when i w- when i started i was i was uh entertained by and also intimidated by guys like Steve Ray, Steve Rivers and 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 Steve Wilde, who are still in the Canon locker room, which still are active on Canon shows, and now they're viewing me as as a peer, and uh, that's really cool. It's a, I mean, it, that sort of thing doesn't get old, and uh, and the the young guys are great. Uh, they're they they either they ask sometimes they'll ask like uh kb6 on the the last show we did in madison hat asked me to watch his match but unfortunately i had i was up uh in a couple matches and uh, and it was a different i had to switch a lot of stuff like like last minute and so i didn't get to but i'm gonna watch the video because he again he specifically asked me to watch it and and it is important to me to to go out of my way to do that so I can help uh and at the same time if they're not asking no one is is rejected any advice or 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 come off like they're too good for it or anything I don't necessarily get to see as much of the rest of the show as I would if I was obviously uh not wrestling but what I do see if there's something I can improve on or if I watch some of the footage and, and there's something I think that they can improve on, or even just an idea that I have for them. Uh, I'm, I'm, I go out of my way to say so. And, and everyone's been really receptive and it reminds me of a locker room in the past. And I mean that in the most positive of ways, I know that wrestling like, like, like any occupation, like any, you know, culture or subculture, whatever you'd call it, there's the good and the bad. There's, there's, there's a history. There's, there's negative things in those histories. There's behaviors we've improved, but at the same time, there are certain things about the hierarchy and about the brotherhood. And I know it's like that 
it's like a bad word these days or something not in my world uh you know you say sisterhood as well you could say family if you want because there's not i'm not i'm not discounting anything as far as the the talented women we have in wrestling but can-am provided a locker room that i enjoyed a lot more than the locker rooms for the most part here in the pacific northwest for the last few years interesting um, yeah. Now, coming to, to the Can-Am and, and coming into that, that kind of veteran role as someone who has now also been in, in ownership uh, of a, a wrestling promotion, um, do, does that change kind of your, your outlook on either whether it be putting matches together, helping the veterans, or I guess did, did that just kind of change how you viewed those, those locker room interactions, knowing like kind of what the, the people at the, the very top of a company might be looking at? Well, I know what I would be looking for. And I uh, and thankfully, I do get the recognition from the people in charge at Can-Am in that they're very aware of my success with ECCW. I've, I've been very, very, very proud of the product that ECCW has put out for, I mean, for the most part, for the, for the whole time. Like I, I'm, I'm in my 22nd year. I debuted with, with, I started training with Can-Am in 1999 and I debuted with ECCW in 2020 or in 2000. And um, at that time, I found that there was maybe a few good matches on each show and uh, a lot of the others I don't think were very good. And so it was around 2005 and six because of like, that's another thing I really like about Canon is that the guys like Steve Rivers and Steve Wall are still there and, and are still, I mean, they're, they're great with the young guys too. And uh, for, for me at ECCW, when I, when I came in and came up, one of the reasons why I got pushed so hard, so fast and ended up with, you know, the, the title and all that, was because their established guys like Dr. Luther and Juggernaut and Chance Beckett uh, were all were all leaving for one reason or another. You know, Michelle Starr de- decreased his how much he was wrestling at different times and wasn't really putting himself in like a, a main event role or anything. Um, so it was about 2005 or 2006 where Dave Republic was Starr's partner. Uh, started giving me more responsibility creatively. I, I started having a bit of input in what I was doing. And then he kind of gave me the, the women's division to, to take care of. And then from there, I just, uh, uh, I don't, I wouldn't say weaseled my way in because it you know, I didn't, it wasn't sneaky or anything, but I did just slowly get more and more influence as to what was happening on shows and then by 2007, Dave wasn't, uh, I think Star was leaving. Dave wasn't around as much. And so then it kind of ended up uh, like my show. Uh, like as in I was running the shows and, and booking most of it. So uh, my partner and I would, would put it together and then we would give it to Dave Republic and he would say what he liked, didn't like, or change what he wanted. But for the most part, it stayed the same. And then Dave wanted out because he's a, a local politician and he got tired of being called the Vince McMahon of local politics. And cause it's not always a compliment in everybody's mind. And uh, so he wanted to sell it. And so myself, my partner and a wrestler, very, very talented wrestler named Jamie Diaz. He's, he's not active right now, but I would love it if he was, cause he's, one of my favorite favorite opponents I've ever had. Uh, his, his lovely mother uh, uh, bought some shares as well, and so it was it was myself, uh, my partner Jeff, and uh, and Mary. And uh, from two thousand eight, I, I my my first priority was was instead of having two or three good matches a show, I wanted seven or eight or nine good matches a show, as in the whole show. Right. I don't want any, I don't want any weak spots. And there was, 
there was several very obvious things that I knew I had to change immediately in order to get it there. And it was a, a matter of like, I don't, it, if you got a, if you have a, a, a roster of wrestlers and some are greener than others, which is always the case, some are better than others, which is always the case. I'm not going to keep putting the green guys against the green guys and the less, you know, accomplished or talented guys against the less accomplished or talented guys. How, how are they going to learn and get better? So right. I, I just, I, I, I mix things up quite a bit more. I took certain people out of more prominent roles, put other people in more prominent roles. And it didn't take long before I was very, very proud of the complete product that we were putting out, which, which continued to improve because of all sorts of factors. I mean, even just the talent that started coming up shortly thereafter, because by somewhere, so somewhere around there, we ended up with like a class with, with, uh, Artemis Spencer, Nicole Matthews, El Fantasmo, Kyle O'Reilly, Gerv and Harv from the Bollywood Boys, like all, like which uh, all of them have done uh, tremendous things mm-hmm. with with wrestling, and so it, it was a combination of 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 leadership, of talent, of uh, I, I, I mean, their fans, the fans have been great here and 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 we're have always been very vocal which makes things a lot easier on the performers rather than you know it's we're we're all we always want to do our job and 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 pop everybody but the fact of the matter is some crowds are are tougher to impress than others and and then you got some that's like you know those people are there to have fun and to play their role which is you know, is cheer the babies and boo the heels and, 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 and get into it and get loud. Cause the last thing we want is, is silence. And so I, and then what that ended up turning into is uh, live nation, a, a guy from live nation, which is like the biggest concert promoter in the world. So the guy in charge of the West coast wing or uh, whatever you would call that came to one of my shows and said, how do we bring this to the Commodore Ballroom? And anybody that's familiar with Vancouver knows the Commodore Ballroom is, is a legendary concert venue in downtown Vancouver. Holds about 1,000 people for a concert. We got about 1,000 in there for the first ballroom brawl. I think it was 2012. And 2012? Maybe 14. I'm that chair shots in my 20s. I, my memory is not always the best as far as dates and things go. I, I didn't used to put my hands up. Uh, I do now. Yeah. Everybody should. Um, but once once we got to the Commodore, man, like it was like at that point too. It's that it, like normally when guys run indie shows, you 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 rent a building and and you you've got you know you got to have some money up front and and you might not get all that back like there's a real good chance you might not get all that back that's why you got so many guys that are like yeah i tried to promote a show once just once because then you realize how much you got to do and there's not always a lot of money left over after everybody's been paid if any or you might have had to go to the bank too and 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 take a little bit more out to make sure that that you got to pay all the boys but by by the time we got at the Commodore, that was Live Nation hiring us, bringing us in uh, as as a as a as an act, and we wow. put we put like almost a thousand people in there, and uh, one of the greatest nights of my life. And that goes for the the, the twelve more that we did. We ended up doing uh, every January and July, and we would sell out the Commodore, and it became our you know our our WrestleMania and SummerSlam, if you will, mm-hmm. and so. Basically, it's it was pretty hard to know anything about ECCW and not know that the quality. Like it, it, again, I take pride in it. I, I want to put a, a great wrestling show together from start to finish. I want I want I want stories being told in the matches. I want a story or to, two being told throughout the show, oftentimes, and I want a, you know at least a few stories going over the course of a few months if we're running the same place several times and i think that's missing sometimes when 
when it's just, you know, okay, well, we're just going to do this, these matches on this month and then go to the same building next month. Oh, we're just going to do these matches. And there's no real rhyme or reason or feuds or heat or uh, character development. And even like it, you want the characters to be who the characters are, but also telling good stories. So there's that added emotional investment. Uh, you could have a bunch of high spots and you could have a whole bunch of matches with a whole bunch of high spots. But if they don't care about who's doing the high spots, it just ends up just, you're just trying to top your last, your last high spot. Sorry, one sec. There we go. Yeah. So you just, and, and so that's something I know we did well. And so when, when Ken Am brings me in and, you know, they, they, they tell me who I'm wrestling. Very receptive. And I really appreciate that. But at the same time, I don't want to. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Uh, when it's not my show, that's not my. It's not my money on the line. So I really have no business telling people how to run their shows. If they give me the opportunity, I'll do what I think is right. I only made. I only made the mistake once of 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 overstepping my bounds. It was uh, a very close friend of mine uh, named the Cremator. He lives on Vancouver Island. He's a, a big big man. I grew up idolizing Shawn Michaels. He grew up idolizing The Undertaker. So whenever, if you, when you watch Scotty Mack versus The Cremator, it's likely you're going to see a few spots you might have seen in, in, in a Shawn Michaels-Undertaker match or maybe a Shawn Michaels-Diesel match or something. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, uh, The Cremator, along with uh, his partners, uh, BJ Laredo and his uh, lovely wife, uh, Rhea Von Slasher, uh, they they started their own promotion on Vancouver Island because it started to become it wasn't cost efficient for ECCW to go to Vancouver Island, largely because of the cost of the ferry. Uh, you know, because you got a ring trailer and they're they're charging you by foot and you're bringing all these wrestlers over, and the the towns like with like mills like Port Alberni, the those the the I guess the the industries. And those towns weren't doing as well as they were before. So it just, you, we weren't drawing enough to, to make sense to keep going over there. So they live over there and they started their own promotion and, and they, and the cremator was cool enough to book me on his first weekend of shows. By the second night, I was like, you know what, man, I really think you should change this match to this match, move this match here, do this. Cause this doesn't make sense. And I need you to do this. And he did it all. And I thought it came off well, but, uh, I, well, our friendship, uh, our friendship suffered for about a year or two there because because mm. we didn't talk that much and he stopped and and all of a sudden I'm not booked on any more of his shows, and then I I saw him at a charity show like a couple of years after, in the locker room and I I really just bad for him I was like, I I don't even remember if I was like if I started directly like to him or if I said it to someone else about uh how it's bullshit like everything i did for him and he didn't book me on any more shows and we kind of got into it and thank goodness we've since uh made up and and uh our friendship is better than ever and and uh and vipw on on vancouver island is thriving I, I, I see nice big houses there all the time 365 pro wrestling uh, by Eddie Osborne. He's got, uh, I believe, a promotion in Ontario and on Bank Rounds. So he's got like West and East kind of uh, divisions or something with his 365. Uh, if anybody uh, gets a chance, check out 365 Pro Wrestling and, and VIPW, uh, both from Vancouver Island, uh, both, both promotions putting on uh, some really great matches. Last one for you here, and uh, obviously not the, the most positive note to end on, but um, <laughs> Scott Hall, uh, obviously, with the uh, the, the NWO shirt, uh, I guess as someone in the industry and someone who can maybe have a, an extra level of appreciation for this, uh, what does Scott mean to, to you as a performer and someone who has been on the, the ownership side as well? Well... For me and my generation, I guess you could say that the, the, the people that grew up at the time when I did, like, Razor Ramon was always, like, right when, when I, Razor Ramon came to WWE in the vignettes, you knew there was something really cool about him. 
it was very easy to see what a what a superstar he was going to be. And then I know because of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated family magazines, I had seen you know pictures of Scott Hall and and I knew he was in the AWA and he teamed with Kurt Hennig and I'd seen a bit of WCW. I didn't uh, we didn't have it in Canada as much uh, then. It wasn't on as much unless you had TBS. But I knew about the Diamond Stud and and um, uh, he was always impressive. And and then by WrestleMania ten. You know, for for quite a while after that, that the the Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon uh, ladder match was, I mean, it still would be in my top ten favorite matches of all time, and it really, I mean, that was it. It, it obviously stole the show. Uh, that and 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 Bret Hart against Owen Hart, of course, that night. Um, and then I was the perfect age. Uh, I was about eighteen or so, I think, uh, when. Yeah, I would have been 18 or turning 18 when Scott Hall showed up on Nitro. And uh, it's right when the internet was, you know, you, we're, we're reading about all the contract stuff on the internet. We knew that Hall and that, uh, that Diesel and Razor were leaving WWE. And, and we knew about the 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 click, uh, with you know, with trips at the end of the MSG show. And and for Hall to show up on Nitro and just and just, it changed everything, everything. And it was the coolest thing we'd ever seen. And, and it, it really left you wondering, is, you know, are, is, is Hall invading from WWE, you know, and then he brought these, uh, a big surprise and he brought in Nash and, and then of course leading to bash to the beach, uh, Hogan turning heel, which it just, obviously one of the most iconic moments in the history of wrestling. Uh, I was just at the perfect age. My friends and I were at the perfect age to enjoy that to its fullest. There was nobody cooler than the, that, there's still nobody cooler yeah. than the NWO was. I don't know if there ever will be. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll never stop doing this. And uh, uh, it's, I'll just say two more things. So hopefully, hopefully we, we have time here. And if, and if, and if we don't cut out some of the, the other stuff, but uh, two, two really, uh, two really special things. Um, one was, uh, like I said, in Canada growing up, we didn't have a lot of WCW on TV. And when WCW came to the key arena in, Se- in Seattle and we were like, 18 or whatever it was and and so my buddy chico and and my buddy uh the best friends since we were five drove across and went to to uh wcw at the key arena and and in nwo was it was at the beginning it was it was i think it was just hall nash hogan x Pac, and um and big show and lex luger were were on you know team wcw didn't know where sting was and we were obviously super stoked to see the NWO that night. And it's not like I hadn't seen live wrestling before. I'd seen WWE shows and all that. I met wrestlers and, and marked out and was super stoked and all that. Right. But I'll tell you, nothing, nothing has compared. It was like when the Beatles came to America in the 60s. I don't know if you've ever seen the footage of that, but it's like, it, you know, they called it Beatlemania, which I guess probably where Hulkamania came from. But that feeling in the key arena, and, we, and you're expecting to hear that bump, 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 like the NWO music, but because it was a house show, they used the Fuji's Ready or Not, which is what Hall used in ECW, I think, and, and, and other indie shows. And if you haven't listened to it, and if people watching this haven't listened to it, go find Ready or Not uh, by the Fuji's and picture Hall and Nash coming out to that cool as as it gets cooler than the other side of the pillow. And that, that feeling in that building, we were losing our minds. Like, 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 like teenage girls at a boy band concert, dude, like losing our minds. There was just something about them coming out and that feeling in that building and how special it was in that moment at the beginning of the NWO, where it was like, we knew 
this was just how big it was. And so fast forward, uh, however many years to WrestleMania 31, to what I uh, pretty much have established with a friend of mine the other day has turned into, it has to be my favorite moment in, or, you know, segment, I guess, in wrestling history, Sting versus Triple H with the NWO and DX. And I'm, and I'm, I'm in Paraguay doing this uh, wrestling TV show called Buchondo in Las Americas in Paraguay at the time. The other wrestlers went to the bar after the tapings. I went back to where we were staying on my MacBook watching WrestleMania 31 by myself. Only time I've ever watched WrestleMania by myself. Marking the fuck out. Beat that if he got to, but marking the fuck out like a fucking child. Like I was like I was 17 years old again. DX versus NWO. They WWE. Hogan, Hall, Nash, X-Pac, Michaels, Tripp, Sting. I, I, I owe them a debt of gratitude because they brought me back to being 17 or 18 years old again mm-hmm. um, for about 20 minutes. It was, it was, it was perfect. Yeah. It was fucking beautiful. And Scott Hall is one of the greatest of all time. I think that... Um, I think that he is the greatest to have never held the world title. Hmm. WWE, WWE, Universal, whatever you want to say, the greatest of all time to have never been on on like officially on top. Yeah. So I'll leave it at that. No, I, I think that's a, a pretty fair assessment for sure. Uh, Scotty, you've been extremely generous with your time. I, I really appreciate it. Um, if, if you have anything to plug, plug away, sir. I have a movie coming out this spring on some streaming services called The Benders. It's a, sort of a campy horror movie. Uh, a fan full of wrestlers uh, breaks down off the highway. We end up in a small town uh, where they got a backyard promotion uh we we know how us pros feel about the backyarders but uh insanity ensues and uh uh you'll also recognize like uh, christina von erie in there the lady's choice Wrathchild, other wrestlers uh and uh we we shot that last summer so that should be on streaming services this spring. And then I'm shooting uh, my biggest movie I've ever done uh, in June called Used Mercs. So uh, I'm sure that'll be out in the months to follow. I'm not sure what format uh, that will be. So uh, check out Can-Am Wrestling. Uh, if you hear about ECCW being back, check that out because that's, you know, we're not necessarily dead. We're, we're only dead if I decide we're dead. And uh, other than that, uh, I love Scott Hall for life. And uh, I'll, I'll leave it with one of those. Perfect. All right, that is the show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Reminder, WrestleMania contest. This is, I mean, it's it's a giveaway, but it's a contest. You got to know your stuff to enter this one. Um, The way to enter, you leave a written five-star review of Couch Potato Diary, screenshot it, send it to me so I know that you are the one who was sending that, and um, that gets you an entry form. If there's a couple matches you aren't sure on, it's like, well, I'd like to have a a couple cracks at this. Well, you're in luck. You can get that with um, following me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can get another entry form and get a couple of cracks at this. I have an Instagram post at primetimecline. Share that post and boom, you get a third entry form. You rank your confidence in each WrestleMania match, one through however many WrestleMania matches there are going to be, and the winner will get a $25 gift card from Sea of Dead, a free residential cleaning from Clearwater Cleaning Solutions, and two free tickets to Can-Am Wrestling's April 20th show at the back alley. Uh, So there is all of that. And a reminder, with Clearwater Cleaning Solutions to join their March Madness promotion, if you phone and book and mention that you want to book the March Madness promotion, you'll get 10% off of your first invoice with them. Um, Okay, 
thank you guys so much. Uh, this It's been a bit of a weird week on, on this end of things, so uh, thank you all for the support, and thank you for continuing to listen and download, and I'll talk to you all next week. I am out.